0: All right, good morning. Good morning, good morning, glad that you guys are here this morning. A couple things that you need to know about. Um, If you are visiting with us, either this is your first time here at Seacoast, or you are coming back because uh, you visited us at Easter, welcome. Um, We have a little gift for you. If you will go out into the courtyard, there's a welcome booth, and fill out a card. Or if you did fill out a card last week, um, you can also participate. We have a, a, I guess it's like a stone fire pizza maker out there on the courtyard today. And uh, if you're new or you came last week for the first time, we have some special pizza for you. So I think after this service is breakfast pizza, which is, oh, I think if they do it, you have to try this. They do a biscuits and gravy pizza. Oh my goodness. So try that. Um, But if you're not new and that still sounds delicious, you can purchase it for a very low cost. Um, So make sure you head there right after service. Also, um, the Compton Initiative is coming up April 21st, and that is a way for us to uh, give back to that community. We partner with some uh, church there and a ministry that's been happening kind of to fix up the neighborhood and to bring some, um, some pride and respect to people's homes and the schools there. And so that's uh, April 21st from 7 to 12. It's $10 per person. You can sign up online or also sign up on the patio. Um, today, after service, after the 1030 service, you have healing prayer. And so if you have something that you need prayed over, there's going to be some serving elders that would love uh, to pray for you. And then Moms Together has something on April 12th. Uh, They have this thing called Mom Hacks, Five Practical Ways to Make Momming Easier. And that's from 9 11 I think one of the hacks should be have a full-time nanny. That's just me. That's what I would love, but um, that's uh, going to be cool. So get signed up for that. Um, and uh, yeah, all the moms out there. So let me talk real quick about last weekend. Last weekend was Easter. Huge weekend for us. Not just a big weekend um, because it was Easter, but it was actually our biggest weekend in Seacoast history. And so we are so excited about that. Yes, <laughs> Is, um. Is I've been celebrating all week. The staff has been so excited and so we wanted to celebrate with you this weekend. And let me give you a couple cool stats of what took place last weekend. We had over 9,000 people in attendance. Um, we had 932 kids. 932 kids. Can you imagine 932? Oh gosh, that's scary. Um... 78 of them. It was their first time ever coming to church, which was so cool. First time ever coming, Um, so we were so excited for them, and then we had 570 volunteers throughout the services, and so I want to thank you guys um, for making it just a an incredible weekend. Um, we've been talking about being a church of inviters, and I think that it is proven that we are a church of inviters, just by what happened uh, last weekend. And I was hanging out in the parking lot, talking to the volunteers as all these cars were coming in, and it was kind of chaotic, and they were just so excited. They were just like, this is incredible. Can you believe how many people are here? They get to experience what we experience. They get to see what we see, and, and that was kind of the attitude throughout all the v- volunteers that I talked to. And and uh, the more that I've been looking for opportunities um, in my life to be able to be an inviter, it's amazing how many opportunities that just pop up if you're looking for them. This last week I had something that seems pretty mundane, um, just having a conversation with a friend who is moving, and they're moving into a local neighborhood here. And I happen to know that the street that they were moving on to, really close to the home that they're moving into, a, a seacoaster that I'm friends with, lives there. And I said, oh, my goodness, I I know somebody who lives right by where you're moving. In fact, they go to my church. If you'll come to my church with me, um, I will introduce you, and you can get to know your neighbors, like, right away. And they were kind of like, oh, all right, maybe I'll give that a chance. And it was just it just this little, like, hey, come to church with me. And But here's the problem that I've encountered, and, and my wife actually is the one that brought this up, is um, lots of opportunities to invite, but we oftentimes hit this hurdle in which we go, yeah, you should come to my church. Um, at Seacoast Grace, uh, it's the one by the racetrack. No, it's the one on Cerritos, Nacatella. Um, yeah, we have services at uh, Saturday 5 and then Sunday 9 and 1030, SeacoastGrace.org. You can check it out. if you blah, 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 And they're just going, oh, I'm not going to remember any of that. And so here's what, uh, and I will give credit where credit is due. My wife came up with this idea, and she says, um, what if we just had some cards that we could throw in our wallets or our, uh, our uh, purses, and we could just carry them. And then when the time comes up where we get to have the opportunity to invite somebody, we can say, oh, and here's a card with all the information that you need. And so we are going to give these to you guys on your way out. If you want to grab as many as you think you can give out, um, grab some of these, throw them in your wallet or your purse, and just uh, you remember that you have this as an opportunity to invite some people. And a little hint. Um, throw your information on the top for the people who, as long as you like them, um, if you like them and you invite them, uh, throw your information, say, hey, hit me up before you come. I'd love to show you around. I'd love to sit with you, um, make you feel right at home. So grab some of those. And the other thing that you can grab on your way out, and we have these, um, if you haven't had one yet, is these window clings that you can represent on your car as you drive around, as long as you're a decent driver. If you're a bad driver, <laughs> we're going to need you to go ahead and avoid these. Okay. So today we're, uh, we're going to be starting a new series, and if you're not a church person, you're not really sure what this is, uh, series is all about. Series is just like a TV series, is we're going to do a series of talks over the next few weeks that kind of all focus in on one issue, one topic, and um, they're kind of build on each other. And so today uh, will be part one of the three-part series, and the series is called Crazy Busy, How to Balance Life Like a Boss, uh, The Juggle is Real, hashtag, suffocating, hashtag, everyday I'm hustling, hashtag, Ain't nobody got time for that, and uh, my wife thought it would be funny for her to purchase these for me to put while I study on my desk. She found these, and I thought this was cute. Uh, one says, every day I'm hustling. The other says, like a boss, and so it was just a good reminder for me uh, during, this, uh, during this series, and so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep these up here for us. Anyway, so today we're going to be starting that series and uh, I got to be honest, the series, I don't know if it's a little bit um, selfish of me, but this is the series that I really needed. <laughs> I'm like, I am not up here telling you how to, how to make this happen or how to do this. In fact, I am one of the sufferers of a crazy, busy schedule. Uh, yesterday, Saturday morning, uh, typical Saturday is I woke up and I had meetings starting at 6.30. Uh, went from my 6.30 meeting directly home where the kids were uh, getting out of bed, eating breakfast. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had some chores that I had to do immediately. After the chores, we had a uh, friend's kids' birthday party. From the birthday party, I had to run, grab some food really quick, get back to the office so I could get ready for Saturday service. Then we took some people out to dinner afterward and finally began the tough process of getting the kids into bed after they ate ice cream. And so it was a long day, it was a crazy busy day. This is supposed to be Saturday, and yet I am running from one thing to the next, and today will not be any different. And I think a lot of us can relate is it doesn't matter what life stage you are in. If you're in a life stage like me where you got young kids at home, it's just chaos all the time. If you're a student, you've got papers to write and you've got tests to take and you've got the future to think about and then you've got activities and you've got hobbies and you've got sports and and if you are a business person or you have a full-time career, you have quotas that you have to meet, you have people that you have to manage, you have sales that you have to make, you have non-stop work that you have to do. And then if you compile that with being a parent, you have carpool to drive, you have kids that need fed all the time, you have something happening every minute of the day. And that doesn't even begin to address all the other things in our life, like making sure our finances are on track, and making sure our health is on track, and making sure our relationships are on track. And there is a lot of different arenas of our life that we have to balance. And so we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, how do we, in a healthy way, balance these different arenas of our life? So I want to look at a story in the Bible um, that addresses this very issue. And if you're not a Bible person, not really familiar with it, here's kind of the layout. is We're going to be looking at one of the Gospels. The Gospels are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, you guys are coming down because you want money. Okay, I got it. I got it. No, we're going to be giving back to God. I forget. I was on my notes, wasn't it? You told me. I knew. Uh, if you're visiting with us, do not feel obligated to give. This is just part of our worship experience, giving back to God back to God, what is actually already his. And so, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they are four different books uh, that were written by either eyewitnesses or uh, the, the disciples of Jesus. And we get a different perspective of Jesus' life and ministry and, and eventual death and resurrection. And so the account that we're going to be looking at today is out of the book of Luke. And uh, it's going to be in Luke chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles, you have a Bible app, open that bad boy up. Even if you don't have either of them, you can Google it and it will come up on your phone. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We're going to be starting in verse 38. So let's get into it. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And so here's the scene. Is um, As we know, because of our last series, that Jesus loved to party. And so Jesus is at yet another party. He's at a dinner party, and he's with some friends, Mary and Martha, who we know are some of his closest friends. Who, by the way, uh, quick uh, trivia, do you know who the famous brother of these two was? Lazarus. There we go, nine o'clock. Here we go. Woo. All right, Lazarus. Uh, and so he's sitting there, and they're about to have this big dinner party. And uh, Martha and Mary, no, well, Martha, <coughs> excuse me, Martha is getting ready. Uh, and Mary is sitting in front of Jesus. And I like to imagine crisscross applesauce. I don't know. Maybe maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But she is just soaking in the knowledge of Jesus, just listening to him talk, asking him questions, having a, a great time. But the next verse says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so when I read this, um, I immediately thought back to when I was younger, we used to have dinner parties at our house all the time. And my mom, she is a nice lady, but she's a pretty intense lady, if any of you know her. Uh, She is a pretty focused woman. And so when we're going to have a dinner party, she turns into a drill sergeant you want to avoid the house at all costs in the days prior to a dinner party because she has a chore list that you have to get done, to-do list. She will, I mean, I remember she would say, you know, if you touch my streak-free windows, which is your breath on the window, that will be your last And so I would go and I would spend the night at friends' houses just so I could avoid the dinner party and the lead up to it. And that kind of is what's happening with Martha right here, is Martha is so distracted by getting everything ready for the dinner party. And this is what she says. She says, um, it says that she came to the Lord and said, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So imagine it. Her sister's sitting there listening to Jesus. She's getting all this done. Then she comes to Jesus and says, can you believe this? My lazy sister, can you tell her to get up and get to work? Now put this in your context for a moment. Imagine that you had somebody who's important in your life over for dinner. Let's say it's your boss. Your boss comes over for dinner, and then you and your spouse begin to argue a little bit. And eventually, you turn to your boss and you say, can you tell my husband, can you tell my wife to stop being so lazy and get up? Do you see what I have to deal with around here? This is ridiculous. I think your boss would go, so should I come back? Is this not a good, this isn't a good day. I'm not even hungry anymore. Let's try this again next week. Because, um, Because now Jesus is put in this incredibly awkward situation. So let's pause for a moment here. And let's look at what the consequences are of Martha being so busy um, that she ends up putting Jesus in this really uncomfortable situation. First consequence, I think, of being crazy busy is uh, we end up focusing in on the wrong things. My dad always would say this saying, he says, uh, you can't see the forest for the trees. And I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I'm pretty sure it means something like um, you're focused on all the small details that you're missing the big picture. And that's exactly what is happening with Martha is um, she has Jesus at her house. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to believe Jesus was the Messiah to know that this is a really big deal. If Jesus showed up at your house for dinner... You would be all ears. You would be attentive. You would be focused because this is the most important person in human history. And they're having dinner at your house. You're not going to let anything get in the way. And yet, we see that Martha is so caught up on the details that she misses the big picture. Uh, As we continue to make ourselves more and more busy, I think one of the consequences is our view starts to get myopic is we start to focus on what needs done this next week. So tomorrow will be Monday morning, and many of us will wake up and go, okay, what is on the schedule for this week? And we start to lay out, we start to plan, we start to think about what needs done, and then we start to think, okay, what needs done this week, what needs done today? What do I need to accomplish today? What's on the schedule for today? And then we think, okay, what needs done in the next hour? All right, now, what needs done in the next 15 minutes? And our view gets smaller and smaller and smaller the more things that we put uh, into our life. And we begin to focus on the immediate instead of the important. The weird thing about life is that the immediate will always scream for your attention, but the important rarely will. Is there are emails that people want you to answer, there are text messages, uh, there is carpool, there is meals, there is practices, there is nonstop immediate needs that people are going to be screaming that they need from you. And yet the thing that often is the most important will go unheard. I've never heard a, a student, and I worked with students for a long time, I don't think I've ever heard a student say, Mom, Dad, I'm watching my friends and they're... They're making a lot of bad decisions as they're getting older, and I'm feeling pressured to make those decisions along with them and kind of getting sucked into it. Do you think that we could spend some time where you could give me some advice on how to deal with that? I have not heard that yet. I have heard, here's what I need, here's what I want, here's what needs to take place today, but I have not heard that the important issues need addressed right now because the important will rarely fight for your attention unless you are intentional about it is it will always be the things that are immediate that fight for your attention, but very uh, rarely will the important fight for it. We also become uh, focused on activity over people. Activities are manageable. They can be, uh, we can be done efficiently. We can schedule them, control them. We can cram more of them into our lives. And yet relationships are the very opposite, they are not efficient, they are time consuming. In fact, uh, there is no such thing as an efficient relationship. They take up a ton of emotional energy which we have run out of because we're running so hard and they are consistent. We have to constantly be investing in mean, them. You don't have one meeting, one lunch, one hangout and you're good. It is a constant, uh, a constant investment. And so we end up trading relationships for doing things for accomplishing activities. And of course, the consequence of focusing on acti- activities versus relationships is relational breakdown. And so here's my bet. If your life is anything like mine, um, there is a correlation between relational stress and the amount of things that you are doing, the busyness of your schedule. If you were to look at the, relational stressful, uh, the, the stressful times in relationships, you will see that it is probably at the same time that you are the most busy. This last week, uh, my wife and I, after we had finally got the kids to bed, and we were exhausted, and it's like 10 o'clock by then, and we had just now said hi to each other for the first time in the day, we kind of looked at each other and went, we're missing each other. Like, I mean, we're around each other all the time. We're chasing kids together. We're running kids around. We're doing, But there's no real connection that's been happening lately. And so my wife said, okay, you know what? We're going to add an extra date night on to this week because we need some more time. We need to be able to connect a little bit more. And here's just a side note, and we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but it's almost counterintuitive, is the more stressful and busy your life is, the more time that you need to pull back, spend some time with God, and with those whom you love. It's counterintuitive because you think, oh my gosh, I have so many things to do, this is a critical time, this is a time in which I have to keep pushing, I have to keep running, and yet that is the exact time in which you need to pull back the most, in which you need to invest relationally the most, because under the times of stress is the time that your relationship needs to be the strongest. Another consequence is we're too busy to enjoy ourselves. Is um, Martha is sitting there with Jesus, the creator of the universe. He can answer any question that she has. He can give her insight into this would be the moment that all of us would be waiting for, and yet does she enjoy it? Absolutely not. You can tell in this passage that she is stressed out. She is running around, and she hasn't enjoyed anything. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I've, um, I've gone to a, a nice restaurant with somebody who just inhales their food. You ever see anybody say, just, whoa, just, it just goes down. It's like, did you taste that? That was, that was, that was, and when they're at, and when you're at this nice restaurant, and they're just inhaling their food, you kind of go, dude, slow down. That bite was like $5 that you just took there. You know, like chew slowly because this is expensive. This is a nice place, and you're just throwing it down. You are not enjoying the moment. On a weekly basis, I have uh, empty nesters, uh, parents whose kids have uh, moved out, that they tell me, hey, this life stage that you're in right now with young kids, it's crazy, but you have to enjoy it. You need, to just, you need to just relish in these moments. When you hear those little footsteps running around the house and you hear things crashing and breaking, your immediate reaction is, oh, isn't it great? Isn't it awesome that we have these little kids running around breaking everything? Because you will look back one day and you will forget the little things that were broken and all the chaos and you will just wish that they were little again. And I already experienced that. Our third child is already uh, six months old, and we're like, why are you so big? I mean, he is giant. He is a giant child. But we're like, how are you getting so big? It's crazy. Like, stay this way forever. You know, by the time you get to your third, like, when you have your first, you're like, ooh, milestones. Let's go. Crawl. Walk. Whatever. And we're like, no, don't walk. Okay? <laughs> that, is, that is, you can stay that way forever. Um, but people tell me all the time, Cody, you got to enjoy these moments. And so my wife put these pictures up on, on the wall in our, our room, and it says, these are the days that I never want to forget. And I'll oftentimes kind of give her a hard time where one of the kids is on the floor just melting down, and I'll point at it, and will be like, are you sure? <laughs> you sure you want it? All right, that's fine. And it's there to remind us of the moments that we have are, are precious and that these, these are the moments that we don't want to let fly by. And it's not just the moments that I'm in. It's the moments that all of us are in. Because if you think about your life, whatever life stage you might be in, it is going to end soon. And so you need to enjoy every life stage along the way. Yeah, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but I think that we're supposed to be present. We're supposed to be able to practice going slow and enjoy whatever life stage that we're in because it won't last. We quickly will be on to the next. And so as I watch my my parents in their life stages, empty nesters, and now having grandkids, they are just loving it. And I asked my dad, I said, dad, what is your favorite life stage so far? And he said, to be honest, I've loved every single one. I said, yeah, see, that's the goal is to enjoy. He's like, I don't want to go back. (laughs) Like, I definitely don't want to go back to when you were in diapers, but I enjoyed it every stage of the way so one of the things I'm trying to teach my kids is how to go slow and be intentional and enjoy things instead of um, running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so one of the rules that we've implemented is that they can only have one hobby or activity at a time. We're not running from sport to sport or activity to activity. You can only have one activity or hobby uh, that you're into. And I tell them, you know what, you're not going into the NBA. You're not going to be a ballerina. No, you cannot be whatever you want when you grow up. The sooner you realize that, the easier it's going to be. And so I'm a realist. You know, they're not going to come like, oh, I'm not a ballerina. I'm like, I told you from day one, you weren't going to be. But I want to remind them, look, you're doing this for fun. You're not gonna get to do this forever. You're gonna be old like me where you gotta work and you gotta take care of a bunch of punk kids and so you should enjoy these moments right now. Enjoy it while it lasts. In fact, um, one of the things that I kinda wanna bring back for young kids is um, I wanna bring like a movement, Bring Boring Back. Because I feel like they're never bored. They have so many things going on and so whenever I hear my kids say, oh, dad, I'm so bored. I go, good, then my plan is working because I want you to be bored. I want you to learn how to be creative. I want you to have, uh, learn to take initiative and become independent. And there are studies. I didn't just make this up. I'm not a cruel parent. But there really is something to being bored, where you have to go and kind of figure life out a little bit without being distracted all the time. Third consequence is ultimately we end up making poor choices. We make poor choices in the short term because we are too busy to think through whatever decision that needs to be made Or we end up having no emotional energy because we've been so busy that we end up making a poor decision. One of the rules uh, that's kind of uh, set amongst pastors is that you can't quit on a Monday. Because pastors, after a long weekend and you've been preaching and you've been talking to people and you've been investing, you are just emotionally drained. And so they say you can't come into the office and quit on a Monday because you're not thinking clearly. In fact, they call it uh, post-ministry syndrome. You can figure out the acronym there. But <laughs> you can't quit on a Monday because you've run out of emotional energy, and you've got you to gotta get that back in order to make clear decisions. The other thing is we end up making, uh, some of you guys just figured out the acronym. I heard like it. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, long-term. Uh, we end up making long-term Poor choices as well. uh, Bronnie Ware wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, and she was a hospice nurse who would spend the last few weeks of um, mostly elderly people as they knew that they were nearing the end of their life. And she began to ask them questions. One of the questions was, do you have any regrets? And a pattern emerged. And here are the top two regrets that she writes about. She says, the first regret is this. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. She says this, she says, "'This was the most common regret of all, "'when people realize that their life is almost over "'and look back clearly on it. "'It is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. "'Most people had not honored even a half of their dreams "'and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices "'that they had made or not made. "'It is very important to try and honor "'at least some of your dreams along the way. "'From the moment that you lose your health, "'it is too late.'" Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. This made me think about my life and how many of the things that I do throughout my week and throughout my year are because it is directly aligned with my goals and my values in life or it's because it's what's expected of me well, this is what everybody does. This is the community that we live in. This is what is expected if you want your kids to flourish. And so I wonder how many of the things I'm filling my schedule with are because I believe it's going to get me where God wants me to be and it aligns with my values or it's simply what's expected of me, what other people are doing. And so I want to be able to keep up with them. Second regret is this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient that I nursed. They miss their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. I miss their plays. I miss their graduations. I miss the moments in which they were learning how to ride their bicycle. I miss the most important moments of life because I was trying to reach this top of this mountain, this climbing, this ladder, and I realized I never got there and I sacrificed it because I missed all of the most important moments. And so Jesus' responds is this. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. It's pretty much saying, why are you so stressed? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so busy? And I can just hear her response now. Dinner doesn't cook itself, Jesus. (laughs) Someone's got to do the dishes. Someone's got to set the table. Someone's got to cook the food. And of course, he would ask us the same question. Why are you so busy? And we would probably say something similar to Martha, which is, well, these kids aren't going to raise themselves. And the industry that I'm in is tough, and it's expensive to live in this area, and so I got to put in the hours, and then Jesus would probably push back and say, you know, I get that. I understand all that. that. That totally makes sense, but in typical Jesus fashion, he would then follow up with another question, which is, but what's the real reason? What's the reason behind the reason? I want to know what's happening in your heart that makes you feel like you need to be so busy. And if we're being honest with ourselves, on one hand, the reason why we're so busy is because it makes us feel important. It makes us feel wanted. It makes us feel needed. It makes us feel valuable. Oftentimes, we're busy because that's where we find our identity. We become somebody when we're running around. The culture we live in, busyness is the new status symbol. Think about it for a moment. Let's say that you and I were to uh, talk after service. and You said, hey, let's grab lunch. I said, great. And so we pull out our phones, and we look at our calendars, and you say, you know, I'm scheduling about four weeks out for lunch right now. I go, okay. And I go, I'm available every day this week. You would go, I knew you only worked like an hour on Sundays. (laughs) Because we find status in being busy. Which one is more impressive? The person who's scheduling four weeks out for lunch appointments, or the person who goes, I got nothing going on. Of course, the person who's scheduling four weeks out, because busyness is a status symbol. The other thing is, I think we're busy because we're afraid. It's oftentimes motivated by fear, because if I challenged you to start to start pulling back some arenas of your life and your schedule, or even to stop some things completely, I would imagine your response would be, but I'm afraid I would lose my job. I'm afraid I would disappoint some people. I'm afraid that my kids would miss out so much of... The reason why we are busy is because we're afraid. It's motivated by fear. Sad irony is our fear of not mattering enough is oftentimes what keeps us from focusing on what matters the most. If you were to ask Martha why she was so busy, What motivated her? What fueled her? She would say, well, it's my love for Jesus, of course. I want him to feel welcome. I want him um, to enjoy himself. And you would say, well, Martha, that's a really strange way of showing it. I don't think so, Martha. I think there's something deeper within you. I think that there is this, this, this hollowness that you keep trying to stuff more and more time and things into, and it's not satisfying you, and so you're going to run as fast as you can thinking, maybe eventually I will be satisfied. But the irony is, the more stuff that you keep pushing into there, the more things you put into your schedule, you're going to end up being so busy that you miss the very thing that can satisfy. Here's what he says. He says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus is saying there's about a million things that you could do, and a lot of them are really good, important things that you should have in your schedule, and yet at the end of the day, there's only one thing that you're going to do that's actually going to matter, and that one thing is having a relationship with me, because if you succeed at everything that you put your mind to, you accomplish things in every arena of life, but you fail in this one, it's all going to be for naught. It's all going to be worthless because... A relationship with me is the only thing that will last. Everything else is finite. It is temporary. It can be taken away in a moment's time. But a relationship with me is forever. If you were to um, imagine a conversation with Martha the next day, and you said, Martha, I heard that you had Jesus over at your house for dinner. What did you experience? What was it like? What did he say to you? And she would say, Well, nothing. I was busy. I was busy getting dinner ready and busy trying to run around and make everything nice, and I missed it. But if you asked Martha or Mary the same question, she would say, it was incredible. I got to speak with Jesus. I got to ask him questions. He gave me insights. It It was a moment in which I will never forget. It is a thing that can never be taken away from me. And so we are, like Martha, in which we are running around doing so many good and important things, we're raising kids, we're working hard, we're leading, managing, building, we're doing great, good things. Those are, those are good things. But at the end of the day, those things are not going to last. They're not eternal, they're finite. And so Jesus says, a relationship with me is the only thing that's eventually going to matter. If you lose everything tomorrow, I'll still be here, and in fact, I will be the only thing that will last past the grave, a relationship with me. And so here's the promise that Jesus makes if we trust him. Matthew six thirty one says this. He says, Jesus says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So what he's saying is, look, you're running around, you're stressed, you're constantly doing, you're constantly trying to live up, you're constantly pursuing, but if you will stop and you will make me the top priority of your life, if you will trust me, trust me with your heart, trust me with your wallet, trust me with your relationships, trust me with everything that you have, then I'm going to provide whatever you need. Because think about it, Jesus is the creator. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so he knows exactly what we need. And if he really does love us the way that he says, he says, I'm going to provide exactly what you need in order to have an impactful, purpose-filled life. I know the best life for you. And so if you will simply put me first and you will trust me, then I'm going to provide those things. Yeah, I want you to go, I want you to work hard, I want you to be successful, I want you to raise incredible children, I want you to, have, I want you to do all that. But I also want you to stop and to trust me that I've got it. So the series is all about trying to get us to that place, a place of trusting God with our crazy, busy lives. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some practical ways that we can do that. But today, I want to leave you with a few questions, some stuff for you to think over, maybe even implement into your own life this next week. question is this, is um, are there important things in your life that you have neglected because you have been distracted by the more immediate things? Been so focused on getting things done and all the immediate needs and the activities that we need to do that you've been neglecting some arenas of your life that you need to now address. Some important things. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's getting your finances back on track. Maybe it's your body exercising and eating healthy. Maybe it's even being consistent to church. And this one is so close to my heart, not just because I'm a pastor, but especially for those of you who have kids that are still at home is I talk to parents all the time and I've been in youth ministry for a dozen years and I have seen the results of families that are consistent to church and not consistent to church and here's the deal is your kids are watching everything that you do and they're seeing what is a priority in your life and what is not a priority in your life and if you say you know what showing up and being there and worshiping and being with the church family that's That's important to us. In fact, that trumps all else. Whatever practices, whatever games, whatever activities, whatever hobbies, that is the thing that trumps all else. They'll see that. And what happens is when they get to be adults and get to make their decisions, they're going to go, well, this is how I was raised. This is what I did. And so this is going to be who I'm going to be as well. And I get it. Not all of us need to be at church every weekend because we got it. We still love Jesus, even though we weren't here. I get that. But your kids don't get that. And so for your kids' sake, one of the things I just want to emphasize, and it's not for me, it's not for this church, it's for you and your family, because I want to see kids love Jesus as they grow older, is to make it a priority. Second thing is this, or second question, what do I need to subtract from my schedule in order to add those important things in? Some of you guys need to put a name in that column because there is somebody in your life who is draining you. They're draining you emotionally, they're taking away your precious time, and you need to go, you know what, I love you, you're well-meaning, I know you want the best for me, and so the best for me right now is not you. And so I'm gonna have to pull back on our time together, and I'm gonna have to focus in on some other things. Or maybe it's something as simple as a, an activity, a hobby. Maybe like golf, for example. Oh, whoa, I just said whoa, sorry. <laughs> Was that heresy? I don't know. I put golf in there because I hate golf, so <laughs> I was like, it's not going to affect me. I'll throw that out there. I don't know. <laughs> Next question is, is there an area of your life that you haven't trusted God with? Is there uh, an area that you continue to hold on to and you're grasping under? Here's a way that you can tell there's an area of your life that you haven't trusted God, is look at the place that you're most stressed out. That is the place that you continue to try to hold on to. And so is there a place in which you need to go, all right, I'm tired of holding on to my finances. I'm tired of holding on to this relationship. I'm tired of con- and holding on to this, this dream that I've, that I've had. I'm going to just have to trust God with this. And maybe that's your entire life, is you're just trying to figure out this whole faith thing, and you're going, you know what? That's actually what I need to do with everything. I've never made that commitment, and I would encourage you. Today is the best day to do that, where you go, God, I don't want to live this life where I'm in charge. I don't want to be the ruler of the universe. That is way above my pay grade. I'm giving it over to you. And the last question is is this. What would my life look like if I were actually able to fully trust God with all of this? I don't have it and you don't have it, but what would it look like to have perfect faith that God has every arena of our life taken care of? Can you imagine getting up in the morning and going, okay, God, you know what? There are a ton of things that need done today, and I'm not going to be able to do them. And there's going to be people that expect things from me, and I'm not going to be able to live up to all of them. But here's the deal. I trust that you've got it. And so today, as I work hard and as I do all the things that I need to do, I'm going to come back to this bed, and I'm going to lay my head, and I'm going to go, I find peace. I don't have anxiety. I'm not full of stress because I know that even the things that didn't get done, even the things that didn't get addressed, that you have it, and so I can just simply rest. I can imagine living like this, and I hope you can too, because this is the life that God is actually calling us to live. This is what he designed. This is what he desires for us. is a place in which we can be at peace no matter what happens in our day or does not happen. And so the goal of this series and the goal of uh, the coming weeks is to move from a place that is motivated by fear to a place that is motivated by faith. So, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for being a God in which we can trust. Uh, We can trust that you have our best in mind, that you know what is best for us, and you want to provide what is best for us, Lord God. And so, um, we are just, we're here to worship and celebrate you for the fact that you've got it. And so, Lord God, uh, some of us need to walk out of here, and we need to just say, all right, there's some things I need to... Rearrange. There's some things that I need to add, some things that I need to take out of my schedule, and eventually at the end of the day, I'm just going to trust that you've got it. And so, Lord God, we just come, and we pray that you would take it from us, that you give us the strength to be able to let go. So, your name we pray. Amen.